Hey, I just want to give you guys, uh, well, at least I want to give Jesus props, because um, when you guys are just singing and giving praise, and um, I don't want to just call it worship, because worship is everything that we do, but I looked at tonight, I watched you all tonight, compared to when you first got here. And when you first got here, it's kind of like you're just kind of sitting there, and some of you were into it, some of you weren't. But it wasn't, there wasn't anything behind it. I mean, some of you guys were passionate, but I'd say for the most, kind of, it's the first day of camp, and maybe, no, maybe you didn't know quite the, the songs that were being sung, and I get that. That's all part of the camp experience, but, and then I look at tonight, and there's just this passion, and I don't want it to be a camp high, and I'm hoping that you're saying the same thing, that you don't want this to be a thing that stays up here at Hume. As incredible as Hume Lake is, it was created by the same God that made your neighborhood. And the same God that is here is the same God that is there. And the same God who allows you to grow in your relationship with him and to become more passionate and to learn more and to be open more and to create a community in your, in your youth groups and in your church, he still wants to continue that come Sunday at your home and come Monday in the following weeks and but as I just watched, I just thought, man, God, you do some great stuff if your people would just focus on you for a week. If we would stop the distractions and all the things that we could focus our lives on and just focus upon Jesus. And I mean, think about it. All you really did was you loved God and loved each other to this week. That's what we did. And we dealt with stuff, and some of you guys had some breakthroughs, like God had to deal with some things. And I didn't get to stay here on Wednesday night after we talked about fear, but when I get this report that it was just packed in here with so many of you guys just staying back and dealing with stuff, and I just thought, that's God. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that Jesus likes to do, but it doesn't have to stay here. And as great as the experience has been, I'm convinced that if it just stays here, then maybe we've wasted some time. It's now, what do you do with it? But when I watched you worship, I was just so thankful. And then when Dom was sharing about the, the bridge or whatever it's called for oceans, and we just got serious about it, I was just standing on the side, I was sitting there going, yeah, I mean, this is a big statement. I mean, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Like there's no limit to how much I will trust God. I mean, are you, I mean, when you sing that, do you get what you're saying, God? Wherever you say to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. It just made me stop. And he was, he was walking off. I just walked up real quick and I said, that is one of the most powerful times I've had in worship. To just stop and think, what did we just say to the God of the universe this is such a huge deal, and God actually takes seriously the words that we say to him. And so I was just so thankful that he slowed it down. And then as he jumped back into it, I heard maybe a, little, a few less voices, and I was so thankful. You know why? Because you're being honest with God. And that's what he prefers. And if you're not there yet, you just keep asking, God, help me be there. And I'm still, God, I'm still praying, God, give me so much trust in you that I'll do whatever you want me to do, even if next time I have to say you are loved by God to three people at Rubio's and not just two. 
And it's not a 20-minute debate with God, but it's just right there in the moment because he said, go. And leave the response or the reaction to him. Can I just encourage you before we pray? He has not asked any of us to save anyone. He's asked us to share the gospel. And he saves. So you understand this. You are 100% effective in sharing the gospel just by sharing the gospel. You don't have to worry about the outcome. That's his. He's given us a great mission. But man, we need, the, we need, we need so much courage and boldness and no fear. But when we can trust the heart of God, remember, when we trust the heart of God, then we can trust the will of God. When we trust the heart of God, we can trust the will of God. Let me pray. Can I pray? Jesus, I was just stopped. And I've prayed that, and I, I do mean that, God. I want, I want the kind of trust in you that there is no borders. There's nothing that holds me back. And I'm just convinced, God, there are a whole grip of people in this room that are saying the same thing, that we want that kind of relationship with you, that we would just trust your heart so much that we would just do anything you say to do, but we wouldn't move until you tell us to. So God, thanks for an incredible week with an incredible group of people. And God, I pray that you would teach us as you have been. And then Holy Spirit, I pray, pray that you would inspire us, empower us to do things even greater than Elijah did. God, we love you. Bless this time in your word. May we, ha- may we hear what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. amen. So Elijah's getting ready to take off and he knows he knows it's about, ready, it's about time for him to go, and he's been kind of mentoring and discipling Elisha. And the thing is, we always think of Elijah, and then Elisha's like little brother. That's kind of what we think of, right? Like Elijah had the big stuff, and Elisha just came in and just followed up, followed up what Elijah was doing. And so throughout this day, when Elijah knows that he's leaving, Elisha knows that Elijah knows he's leaving. And Elijah says, I want you to stay right here. I've got to go to this next town that God said. And Elisha says, no, 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 I'm with you always. I'm not going anywhere. Now, isn't it weird that Elijah told, remember when Elijah, he went into that depressed mode in 1 Kings 19, and he told his servant, stay here, and then he walked off, but the, the servant stayed. But in this one, Elisha says, no, 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 I'm with you. And as they're walking, some other prophets came walking up and saying, you know that today Elijah's leaving. And Elisha goes, I know that, keep quiet. So it's kind of like he's saying, I know that, shut your mouth. Like he's getting a little frustrated. Okay, so then all of a sudden they show up where they're supposed to and Elijah says, hey, why don't you stay here, God, so we go to the next place. And Elijah's just sitting there going, no, 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 I'm with you to the end. And so they keep going, more prophets walk up. You know Elijah's leaving today. Yeah, I know that, shut your mouth. <laughs> he just does that. Three times he's got to tell him, hey, shut your mouth. Three different places, three different times. The last time he goes to the Jordan River. And this is where it gets just a little bit awkward. Like when you start looking, let me find the verse. We're verse nine. No, let's go to verse, let's go to verse eight. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, 
so the two of them could go over on dry ground. Now, okay, followers of Jesus, you have to at least admit this. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can, you can definitely admit this. We followers of Christ, we believe some weird things. Like if you think about it, like Elijah just took off his outer coat. He goes, I'm not going to boulder across that. I'm not going to swim across. And he just goes, bam! And the water goes, Poof! that's it. And then he walks across. Better. That's what I want. Can you imagine Elijah just sitting there going, oh, did you just, okay. But would you be a little bit nervous? The Jordan River is not like a little creek. You have to take the step to walk across. And to Elijah, it's normally just goes, bam, and then just takes off. Can you imagine Elijah going, whoa, whoa, uh, uh-uh. I said I'd be with him. Okay, so he takes off. But you know he's leaving. So we pick up in the passage. Look at nine. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please that there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing yet. If you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And now this is it. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. Oh, dang. It just got funky. Because here's why. The, the horses like it. Like they're on fire and they're like, uh-huh. Yeah, we like this. The chariot's on fire. The horses are on fire. Goes right between the two of them. And Elijah went up and a world went into heaven. That is the sickest way to leave the planet Earth. I mean, think about it. Elijah knows he's going. Elijah knows he's about ready to go. Chariots and horses of fire, they go wham. They just stop there. And Elijah goes, yeah, that's for me. Boom, and then takes off. Guys, if I could leave chapel tonight like that, that would be sick. All of a sudden, the doors just open. Here comes this horse on fire. You're freaking out. Some of you guys got marshmallows as he's going by. Uh, might as well use this profession from the Lord. And so you do your thing. Then it comes up here. I don't have to worry about curvy roads. I just get on and go, that's for me. The family jumps onward. Boom. Oh. Could it happen? Yep. What if it did? You would never forget this flipping camp. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Get home. Hey, how was camp? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. That, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) That would be crazy. But now watch this. And Elisha saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. So he's saying, I see this. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. So he's, it's like this, uh, it's, like he's, it's like he's mourning. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now you got to test if it worked, right? So he picks up Elijah's cloak and he'd asked, I want a double portion of your spirit. So what's he do? Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? It's like, okay, God, here we go. First act on my own. God, where are you? Where are you? Then what happens? 
And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Guys, do you think he had some confidence? Like, it wasn't just Elijah. Can you see him just sitting there going, oh, I hope this works. You ever, you ever had somebody ask you to pray for him? And it's for healing? And you just sit there going, okay, sure. Oh, God, please do something. Because if you don't do something, I look like an idiot. And so you pray. You pray big. It's like, oh, I'm just screaming, God, hear me, as if he's deaf or he's relieving himself. Kind of like the prophets of Baal did. So we just try to convince God to do it. And then a lot of times we go back, and this is biblical. We're supposed to pray this way. But I think a lot of times we say this because we're not quite sure if God wants to do anything. We say, God, I pray you would heal. I pray you would heal. Your will be done. That way, if he doesn't do it, you still look amazing. And God looks like the slacker. Now, if we're really honest, I think that's how we're supposed to pray. But I think that's how we pray because we're afraid that God won't show up. At that seminar I taught, whatever day it was this past week, how to have a quiet time, I shared this story, so if you've heard it, don't mouth it and don't give up the ending. But here, I remember, this maybe two years ago, young lady that's part of my Thursday night community, um, I never got to talk to her and her boyfriend. They just kind of came in, and then they would bolt out. And so this is for a couple months. So I see him on a Sunday morning, and this is, the, this is a Sunday morning where the senior pastor has some of his pastors stand up front and say, if you need prayer for anything, just come up and talk to the pastors. So as I'm standing up there, she comes walking forward with her boyfriend, I'm like, oh, thank goodness, I finally will get to know their name. Like, I'll finally get to talk to them. So they come up and we introduce ourselves. It's that awkward kind of, hey, I've seen you for three months, but I have no clue who you are kind of conversation. And so we get through the awkwardness. And so I said, hey, I'm guessing you want some prayer. And she goes, yeah, I was wondering if you could pray for my shoulder. And then she starts to tear up. And I thought, well, that's a, I mean, I mean, I get there's problems with your shoulder, but this is something bigger than just your shoulder pain because you're tearing up over a shoulder. And she goes, I've had this pain in my shoulder for 10 years. I can't sleep at night because every time I roll over, it kills me. And then she's got tears just coming down her eyes or down her cheeks. I said, okay, so what, but, okay, but what is it? Like, what's the big part? She goes, well, I'm working on my master's degree in physical therapy. And, and then she couldn't get the words out. I said, does your physical therapist say that if this isn't healed, you won't be able to do what it is that you love to do? And she just nodded. I said, okay, let's pray. Let's go for it. Why not? I said, do you believe? She's like, yeah, yeah. Didn't do the orangutan cry like my boys, but like, yeah, yeah, I can. So all of a sudden, this, the prayer. I mean, this is the only thing we prayed. The leprous man. Remember the leprous man in Matthew 8 comes running up to Jesus? This is all he says. He doesn't beg. He doesn't plead. He doesn't keep saying over and over and over, please, 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 please. He just makes a simple statement of faith. Doesn't ask a question. Makes a statement. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Do you hear what he says? If you want to, you can, and leaves it there. And so I don't know what she was, I don't know if she was thinking I was gonna go into this long, big prayer. That's all I said. I said, Lord, if you are willing, you could heal her shoulder. Amen. Can you imagine her going, that's what I tithe for? That's what I give money in the plate for? I could have done that. So I looked at her and said, how's it feel? And she does this, she goes, I think it feels a little better. And I'm like, (laughs) it's like, oh, this is a cute little emotional time. Okay. So I said, how about this? Why don't you sleep it off? Because this is a big moment. Why don't you sleep it off tomorrow? Why don't you email me? Next day, email. I get this email and it is long. And that could be great or very bad. (laughs) 
Because have you ever noticed how brave you are when it's the computer monitor and not the person's face in front of you? You ever had that little dialogue that turns into a little bit of an argument, whether it's the text or Facebook message, you're like, oh, you did not just say that. No. <laughs> oh, one hit. Ah, enter. Boom. Drop the mic. Out. So I was terrified when I started reading it. And this, I mean, all of a sudden as I'm getting through it, she says something like this. Last night was the first time that I've slept in 10 years without any pain. And I went, ah! Ah! My assistant's on the other side of the door. She goes, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just reading emails. Oh! I just keep reading. And she's just talking about it. And then she makes this statement. She goes, even if it was just for last night, and I go back to where I was before, I know that my God is able. I thought, oh. You're deep. You're much deeper than the guy reading your email, I'm telling you. <laughs> so I emailed her back. I didn't, say, I, didn't, I didn't write that much. I just quickly said, oh, this is amazing. Praise God. Hey, on Wednesday, email me again. So on Wednesday, I'm like a puppy going, come on, come on, come on, come on. So I finally just emailed her back. I don't have her phone number. She emails me within 10 minutes. All I said was, how's it going? How's your shoulder? She goes, I went swimming yesterday, and it didn't hurt. And I'm like, ah! It works. I guess that you did it, Jesus. I said, oh, this is a good, this is good, this is good. So she shows up the next night for our community time. And the week after, she comes back to Thursday. She goes, can I just tell you something about today? I was like, no, I'm tired of your miracle stories. No, I didn't say that. I said, you, know, you got to tell me. And she goes, I went to my physical therapist today. And while he's moving my shoulder, like, I don't know, like I'm Frankenstein trying to get it going. He stops. He goes, I don't understand this. It's like you never heard it. I just looked at her. She's got tears welling up in her eyes. And I said, I guess he was willing. I guess he wanted to. She's still good. And I just keep sitting there going, dang, God. But I remember when I, I always do this. If I'm going to pray for someone to be healed, and I still believe that God heals when he wants to, however he wants to do it whether it's that way or through doctors or whatever, that God can heal the way that he wants to. But every time I pray, I always ask, did it work? How are you? How are you doing? Did it change anything? And I feel like that's what Elisha does. This is his moment. I want the double portion of the spirit that Elijah had. And so he smacks the water and the water parts for him. And guys, it is so easy for us to look at Elijah and to look at Elisha and go, yeah, but that's them. I'm just me. If I'm going to throw this out in one tweet, the whole message, I'm going to give it up right now. Ready? I'm going to give you the whole thing. 140-ish characters. It's not about us. It's about the unstoppable God in us, and that unstoppable God makes us unstoppable. Guys, it's not about us. It's about the unstoppable God in us, and that unstoppable God makes us unstoppable. Guys, we can keep looking at Elijah going, I could never. We can keep looking at other followers of Christ who are doing great things and go, I could never, or be intimidated by the fact that, oh, they're so gifted, or they do so much, and God's sitting there going, it has nothing to do with them, except all they said was yes, it's not about us. 
It's about the unstoppable God in us. And that unstoppable God makes us unstoppable. Guys, if we could really see what's going on, we live by faith. But if God just peeled back reality, where we didn't need faith for about 10 minutes, and we could see all that's going on around us, I think we would be terrified and blown away all at the same time. And here's what I mean. Go, turn, your, turn your Bible a couple pages over to chapter 6. Remember, this is Elisha, not Elijah. Here's Elisha. Verse, uh, verse 8, chapter 6, verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, because, or to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place, uh, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria, Syria not Syria, Syria. <laughs> I love that stuff. Okay, but the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Okay, that's terrifying. If you're just sitting there by yourself in your room talking to yourself out loud, which makes us the king not sound all that, all that you know, stable, but all of a sudden, someone, it's none of us. Somehow the dude that's nowhere close by hears everything that you're saying and gives warning to the king. Verse 13, and he said, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. He was told, behold, he's in Dothan. So he sent there, catch this, for one guy, for one guy, he sent their horses, horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. For one guy. Can you imagine? Just because there's one guy that can hear what you think and what you're saying alone, the king goes, what? Okay, this guy terrifies me. Let's send the whole regime. Let's send them all. Chariots horses, and an army. They surround him at night when the servant of the man of God, and I love that title, the man of God. I, used, and I remember I used to look at that phrase and go, the man of God. God, I want to be a man of God. How can I be a man of God? And I feel like the spirit just goes, just be a man of God. Oh. <laughs> just be a man about God. I was like, oh, but you gave David that title. Like, he's a man after my own heart. So I want to be like that. So what should I do? Just be a man after my heart. Gosh, Brian, sometimes you are not quick. <laughs> I love the fact that the writer of Second Kings says, okay, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, I must be serious, because I use that word all the time when I'm freaking out. Alas! Alas! It's like, indeed. Alas, my master, what shall we do? And this is all he says. Don't be afraid. It's all good. I don't think he understands the weight of the problem. We're surrounded by an army, and they're here to take you away. Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can you imagine the servant going, one, two, I don't see it. 
You may be the man of God, but you are an idiot. <laughs> You're not bright. Elisha, I don't think you understand. Then watch this. Then Elisha prayed and said, Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Now catch this. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Dang. Can you just sit there and go, oh, if you're that servant and you're looking going, ah, this is amazing. And then you start going, ha, ha, you're all going to die. There's more of us than of you. And all the army's going, are you kidding me? They don't see it. But all I just said was this. God, open his eyes so he can see what's going on. That this is a God thing. I remember preaching this. This is a few years ago when I was working high school with our, at our church. And we had our, we had our own winter retreat. And I preached this passage. And so I'm standing on the side. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to pray this. Pray this. I got. I just want to see. Don't you want to see that kind of stuff? I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm just closing my eyes. God, just open my eyes, which didn't make sense because I had my eyes shut. I was like, well, I better open them. So I'm like, God, open my eyes so I could see that kind of stuff. And I looked up. You know what I saw? Nothing. <laughs> Not a thing. The light was off. <laughs> there wasn't anything. There was nothing glowing. There was no smoke descending. There wasn't some voice from heaven that says, I am, I am here with thee. Nothing. Nothing came. It was just the same old thing. Then I shut my eyes. But, and you could say, this is your imagination. Okay, but fine, my imagination jacked me up. Because as I'm standing there, in my mind, I see me, and I see these freaking huge angelic beings standing next to me. Not the tiny ones that we all picture. Little baby, tiny little wings. <laughs> I'm telling you, one, we don't get wings. We don't become angels. But if that's what happened, and I get these tiny little wings, can you imagine those wings picking this sucker up? So they're not these tiny little ones sitting there going, we're strong angels, we're strong angels, we're strong. Daddy says we're strong. It wasn't like that. These things were like 10 feet tall standing on each side, and they were huge. And I just had this picture just surrounding the building. And then I had, a, I had this picture of them surrounding where my family was sleeping because they were already in bed. And I was like, yeah. And you can sit there and go, imagination, I don't care. I don't care if it was my imagination. I don't care if it was the fact that I had cereal for dinner. I don't care what it was. It got me so jacked up because I thought, okay, if that's reality, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to throw down. And I felt through the whole, the, the whole experience as I sat there, I felt like God was saying, I got this. Brian, let's do this. It just absolutely jacked me up. Last night I brought up this idea. If you're bored as a follower of Christ, it's because you're boring. You can't blame God for your boredom. You'll go back and, Brian, we study the Bible all the time. I mean, my pat and I, I, I'm gonna be honest, I can't stay when I hear this. Um, my, my church is okay. I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. Pardon my friends, what the crap does that mean? <laughs> I don't feel like I'm getting fed. If, whenever I hear people say that, I, I honestly, the first thing I think is, you are so flipping lazy. And here's why. You don't eat once a week, do you, physically? You sit there and go, no, I eat Sundays and that's it. But I don't feed myself, somebody else does. Mom. She comes in, shovels some food, you're good to go. Then all of a sudden, the rest of you, we go, man, this place sucks. I don't feel like I'm getting fed. Guess whose job it is to feed you? You. If you're not in this, 
then stop blaming your pastor that he's not feeding you. Stop blaming the leaders that they're not feeding you. Get your face in the book so you're face to face with the God who wrote the book. But it's not just Bible study. Guys, when we open the pages of this, do you understand what you're doing? You're having a conversation with the God of the universe. And in that moment, he is speaking to us. He's speaking to you, but Brian, it's so boring. Well, stop starting in Genesis and going page by page because by Leviticus, oh, it's horrible. It's so hard to get it, isn't it? So if you haven't done it ever, if you're not doing this quiet time stuff with Jesus, maybe start with one of the ones that makes a little bit more sense. Start with one of the gospels. Start with Philippians. Ask your youth pastor, counselor, hey, how do I spend time with Jesus? And start doing that. And then start doing what he says. It's as simple as this. When you go back to school, and he's like, don't say that. We just started something. I know, hold on. Don't sit down. Okay, hold on. When you go back, and there's that one kid who always seems to be by himself or herself, I can guarantee you that I know who Jesus would be sitting with. Now go be Jesus to that kid. But Brian, if I do that, my reputation, friends, I'm telling you, your reputation, probably not that impressive outside of you and the two people that know you. You can either strive to live your life for the applause of the multitude who don't know you, maybe really don't care about you, or you can strive to live for the applause of Jesus and the standing ovation of the God who gave you the life and mission that he's called you to live. It's one or the other, but I'm telling you, one of them is less exhausting because you get to be you. When you live for the applause of heaven, I guarantee you that everything else falls into place. Here's what I mean. If I'm living for the applause of Jesus, I will love my wife well because I'm living for the applause of Jesus. If I'm living for the applause of Jesus, I will be a good dad because I'm living for the applause of Jesus. If I'm living for the applause of Jesus, I will go out and serve and share and preach the gospel and go where he tells me to go, not worrying about what people think. If they're saying, oh, too much, oh, not enough. I'm living for the applause of Jesus. If there's times, think about it. Some of you are so busy doing so many different things and you would sit there and go, but this is all for Jesus and I get that, but are you sure that he's the one who told you to do it? Because the Bible says that he's the one who prepares in advance the things that we're supposed to do. So there's actually some times where Jesus is saying, that is an amazing thing, and I don't want you to do it. I want you to rest. I want you to take a day and trust me with the consequences. Guys, living for the applause of heaven, whoo, it actually wakes you up in the morning where you wake up saying, God, what do we get to do today? What are we doing today? And the thing is, just like I shared the Rubio's experience, you'll get some of those experiences. You know why? Because God is not intimidated by the people that we are. He's not afraid of the people that we are. He's not afraid of the opinions of a bunch of people. Oh, maybe we have it in our minds that if we get enough people on our side and they vote a certain way, then God's sitting there going, I'm sorry, I'm, I was wrong. I never saw it that way. 
Do you realize that if all 7 billion people came up to God and said, we disagree with you on this, God would say, I don't care. I'm right. You're wrong. Deal with it. I don't like that. I don't like that. Here's the thing. (laughs) Guys, we may not like it, but until we can create our own universe, we pretty much have to go by his rules. Until that moment, he owns it all. And we can keep fighting against it, or we can live in the manner that he wants us to live, to be bold and courageous, standing for him, standing for truth, not just for him, standing with him because of him. So that a culture sees a difference. I'm getting really tired of, I'm, like the naysayers are saying, man, this place is just going, it's going down here. It's getting so dark. Our culture's getting so dark. Our society's getting so dark. Here's the great news though. The light shines brightest when it's darkest. So we can keep being hopeless. Or we can keep looking at Jesus going, wait, you've been changing societies, changing cultures, people groups, because of your gospel being shared and people just simply doing what you said. Go love one another. Go love the unloved. Go love the unlovable. Go look like Jesus and let Jesus change the culture. It's not who you vote for to be president. It's Jesus in charge because he's God of everything. It is him. He's sovereign commander of the universe. You want to change your neighborhood? You want to change your home? You want to change your school? Preach, share, show the gospel. That's it. That's all it takes. Brian, prove it. Prove it. Guys, Rome used to be the most powerful empire on the planet. And they had this massive place called the Colosseum. And in that Colosseum, especially when Emperor Nero, who was just out of his flipping mind, hated Christians. He's the one responsible to make sure that Paul was beheaded. Nero was responsible for so much of the burning of Rome as he sat there and just watched. He set it on fire, then he blamed the Christians. You would see Christians being martyred in the Colosseum. People would just be applauding and screaming approval. And in Rome... They're the ones, as I described on Tuesday, who perfected crucifixion. The cross today, we make charms out of it, and we wear it as a necklace, and that's fine. But in that day, they would never do that. Why? Because that would be like us wearing a charm of an electric chair. I love this. I just love this. And if you do, there are people for you to talk to about, like talk to to get that out of you. We would never wear a charm of an electric chair. And so the only reason you used used the cross was for what? To crucify, to execute. And so Christian after Christian, they're being martyred in the Colosseum. And all of about what? Maybe 300 A.D., All of a sudden, there's this big movement, and the Christians are doing what? The plagues hit Rome. All the quote-unquote pagans, the one who don't love Jesus, they leave. The Christians stay, or they flock into the city, and they show compassion, and they show love, and Christianity goes crazy. It spreads like wildfire. How do I know it's effective? 
Guys, Rome collapsed because Christ's followers did what? They just loved people. Not the Crusades. It had nothing to do with the Crusades. They loved people. And how do I know it worked? Because today, if you go to the Colosseum, there's a cross hanging over the emperor's entrance into the Colosseum. And when you go to Rome today, there are crosses all over the place. It's, like, it's, on, every, it's on the top of every building. I mean, people are wearing it all over the place. This empire who, what, lasted maybe 2,000 years ago, most powerful empire on the planet, this is the place where they're using crucifixion to get rid of people. Now the crucifix or the cross is just all over the place as proof so when you sit there and go, I don't know if anything can change. I don't know if I can do it. I'm just me. Here's what Jesus' brother had to say. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Did you hear that first part? Elijah was a man just like us, had the same nature. Ladies and gentlemen, Elijah was nothing special except this. He said yes, and he believed that God could. He said yes, and he believed that God could. So like I said, you want to see your home changed? You want to see your school changed? You want to see your neighborhood, your city, your state, this nation, this world we have the truth, we tell them the gospel, and you watch God do what he does. You need something a little more practical as we close up? Here it is. Some of you guys came, and you're going home changed. What did we do? We opened a big fat book that a whole lot of you say, I don't get it. And a whole lot of you came up saying, I kinda get it. I get it a little more. We've looked at that in your cabin discussion times. You guys have talked through things. You've asked questions. You've dealt with things. As you've been confronted, you've been open to what it is that God is teaching you, what God is showing you. And all of a sudden, we're at this point where we're here on Friday night wishing that we didn't have to go tomorrow because we're having this experience. But here's what God wants. He now wants all of us to understand, okay, we are no less of a person than Elijah. Elijah is just like us, but he had a calling on his life. So here it is. You have a calling on your life. Every person who says, I am a follower of Jesus, welcome to the mission field. Your zip code is your mission field. Your zip code is your mission field. You wanna see it changed? Say yes to Jesus and get ready for the ride. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. So the responsibility's not on us. It's not on my shoulders. I don't take the credit and I don't have to take the blame. All I have to do is at the end of the day say, God, I was faithful the best that I could. I was faithful to you and let God show up and show off. Here's what I'm gonna ask as we close up. Holy crow, I'm sweating like a pig. Here we go. Might as well say it because you all see it growing. You're freaking out. Here we go. 
I'm not asking for this huge emotional response. As far as I can tell, nobody's sitting there going, I'm physically exhausted. I'm emotionally drained because of this message. I think God is asking, I'm not, I'm not, not think, because that makes it sound like it's just a specific time. I know that God is asking, are you all in? And I'm talking to every student, every counselor, every youth pastor, Hume-like employee. It's not like, oh, this is the youth, oh, okay, I'm looking at the youth, are you going to do it? Counselors and youth pastors, we cannot look without arrogance. Why? Because God's the one who told him, hey, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the example. Young people, get this. God loves to use the teenagers. He loves it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story in the Old Testament? They stand before the most powerful king on the planet. They're teenagers. David takes on a nine-foot giant teenager. When God decides to invade the planet, picks the womb of a teenage girl. Friends, if people look at you and say, ah, they're too young, it's because they're too old. <laughs> so Jesus is very clear. He says, therefore, and that word therefore takes us back to when he says, I have all the might and I have all the right. All of heaven and earth, yeah, it belongs to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you to the end. Yeah, the one who breathed out the stars, the one who measures the universe with the span of his hand, the one who said, let there be light, and it obeyed. He says, I got you. I'm with you to the end. Guys, we can't lose. We can't lose unless we do nothing. And there's a broken world that so desperately needs Jesus. And I love what Dom said. He said, I'm so tired of us playing church. Get this. Church is not somewhere that you go. The church is something that we are. It is not a place that we go. It is a community or a gathering of people who understand that we have a common goal, a common vision, and a common purpose. That's the church. And the church, this is what Jesus says to Peter. On this rock, on you I'll build my church, and the gates of hell cannot withstand it. Gates are not offensive, they're defensive. So church, let's play some offense. Let's go for people that don't know Jesus and realize that because of the unstoppable God in us, we are unstoppable. So I'm asking you this. If you're saying, Jesus, I am all in, not for emotions, not for, oh, I have this great feeling, I had this great experience. No, Jesus, I'm all in for your mission. I'm all in to be the church and to share the gospel. Whoever you are, student, counselor, youth pastor, human-like staff member, I don't give a rip who it is, if you're in, you stand to your feet. Jesus, I am in. I am in. Good night. Y'all are going to save everyone at your school. It's going to become a Christian school, and the state's going to pay for it. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> Guys, if Jesus started with 12, and he's got a couple billion, supposedly... 
good night. Your, 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 your neighborhoods, your cities look, should look crazy different as God uses you. Guys, it's been an honor. Can I pray for you? As we close up, Jesus, we give you thanks. For those of us who are standing, no, stay standing. I know that some of you guys are comfortable. If you were standing, stand up. If you weren't, I appreciate your honesty. God, for those of us who are standing, we want to say, God, we are in. We're all in. Whatever you want us to do, but just help us to trust you when it's hard. But Jesus, I pray that we would see you work in such amazing ways that we can't stop. I thank you for the promise that you give us, that you will be with us to the very end of the age. And so God, I pray, empower us, fill us with your spirit like never before for the purpose that you've called us to. God, may we not be Christians, but may we be followers of Jesus as you define what a follower is. So God, I pray that all of these students, counselors, youth pastors, and staff members, that they would hear the applause of heaven for their desire to move forward and then show them what to do. And all that you do and all that you've done, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all more than you know.